Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So I want to talk to you about making excuses, or possibly I'll call this circumvention, because we're circumventing the will of God and we're making excuses. If we look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 4 through 9, For God commanded, saying, This is the Lord speaking, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, now he's talking to the Pharisees, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So this will be kind of a comparison of how we follow God's word and how the Pharisees followed it, and maybe show some uh, mistakes and traditions that have been introduced as doctrine. Here, Jesus is making such a comparison of how the Word of God is and how the Pharisees were following it. He reprimands the Pharisees for replacing a direct command from God with a tradition, a tradition they created to circumvent God's will and His Word. We have similar practices, traditions that we have let override God's Word. I'm not saying everyone does this all the time, but, but this happens. We use word games and gimmicks to excuse ourselves from following God's commands. Now, to be fair, some of us have been deceived into believing these practices are of God, but they are not. They are deceptions that have been incorrectly taught. God has plainly told us in no uncertain terms how we are to be and what He expects. As any father or parent knows, children cannot be expected to follow instructions they do not understand. And that's why the Bible is so plain-spoken and clear about almost everything, so that we will understand. We can go back to the Old Testament and find these instructions given to the Israelites. Now remember, nearly everything Jesus taught was already present in the Old Testament. The only new things really were his sacrifice for us, so no other sacrifice would be needed and we would be reconciled to God by faith. All his teachings came out of the scriptures they had available at that time. So nothing in the New Testament really existed except for Jesus himself. And Jesus, uh, he is the one we are following. Okay, so one such practice we have today that I've heard where we override God's word is the belief that the church's funds or the congregation's funds are only for limited purposes. Usually it takes the form of not helping those in need and excuses are given like, oh, well, we can't do that with the Lord's money. That's an individual responsibility. We can't do that as a congregation. These funds are just for helping other Christians. 
we do not have the authority to do that. We only have the authority to do what we see in the Bible. Okay, so we need to look at these and say, you know, what, what are the scriptures for this? How do we back those excuses up? Okay, usually, if you ask what the scriptures are, you're told that we follow the example of the early church. Now, again, I'm going to go back and say, look, Jesus is our primary and main example. Yes, there are some good examples from the early church, and that's fine. But we need to remember that Jesus is our focus. He's the one we set our eyes on, and that he is our primary example. Examples from the early church, they are like, if you look at math or English and the these example problems you solve so that you will learn the lesson, that's what those examples are like. The early church have examples that represent the teaching of the Lord, but they do not define the teaching. The Lord has defined the teaching. The epistles even help explain some of those teachings, but the examples that we see are just examples that fall within the boundaries. They do not set the boundaries of the teaching. Do you understand? Like when you learn math, you learn one plus one equals two and two plus two equals four. But that's that's just to teach you how to add so that you can add other numbers and solve other problems. It's not that that's the only math there is in the world. So like the examples in Acts, they, those aren't intended to be so defining and restricting that those are the only things you can do. And we'll have another example of that coming up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover that again when we get there. So, again, what are the scriptures for these? The only example cited for, um, like, well, we can't do that with the Lord's money, uh, the only example cited will be where churches sent funds back to Jerusalem to help those Christians at that time. There was a famine of some kind occurring. That's a very good example. We should follow that. But in following that example, that is just an example, much like the Good Samaritan is just an example. It is not defining what's really required of us. Okay? It's just an example, and it is a good example. Like 1 plus 1 equals 2 is a good example of some math. This is a good example of something that we can do to help others. Anyway, conveniently forgotten are scriptures like these from the Lord himself. If we look at Luke chapter 11, verse 42, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Notice they pass by justice and the love of God. And, and we're really talking about, I'm talking about more about the love of God. Though also, when we say pass by justice, remember that sometimes I have, I have heard and known people that will condemn other congregations and other Christians for doing differently than these, for not following these strict uh, law-keeping examples. So if we look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. 
These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Very similar statement, probably, you know, the same type of meaning. But again, they have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. All this together meaning, yes, we should follow the example that is mentioned and given. But that example is not the whole of the law. Or it is not the only rule and example of the law. It is just one example. It is a good example, but it does not encompass or overwrite all of the commandments we have from God and from Jesus. More is expected of us. So let's look at these excuses. Oh, well, we can't do that with the Lord's money. It's another excuse we have. We can't do that with the Lord's money. There's no scripture really to back this up other than the example mentioned above that we just talked about. So what does the Bible say about us giving? What's the purpose? If we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. While this is mentioned in reference to not stealing, it still shows why we work our mundane jobs so that we may have something to give to him who has need. Of course, we take care of our families and their needs, but with our abundance, we help others. And that's the reason that we work and why we give to help others. Yes, as a church, as a congregation, we do have like a building and we do maintain that building and things too. But that building is not the church. The building is just a building. It is not important in people. So we need to keep these things in mind. The building is meaningless to God because we are the temple of God, not the building. So then let's look at our other excuses, our other circumventions. That's an individual responsibility. We can't do that as a congregation. There's no scripture for this. Neither God nor the Lord make any provision for whether we act alone as a single person or if we act together, all together, as small groups. Regardless, we are still responsible to act according to God's word. Notice God's command to the entire nation of Israel. This was to all of them. Just like when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to all his disciples. And really, honestly, if you get right down to it, he's speaking to all of us. And that's not all of us as individuals. That's all of us, all the time, always, both as individuals and both as collectively. It's, it's the same. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, 
and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. So notice that this is not limited to just individuals. It's not limited to just groups. There's no time that I see in the scriptures. Um, I don't, I've never seen anywhere where we're told to act one way by ourselves and another way collectively or vice versa. We are always to be Christians following the Lord, following God and what he's teaching. So this is something we should be doing at all times. And there is no contradiction or limitation to these verses. Now, one thing I want you to realize is they had a certain practice on the seventh year. They would release people from any debts. And that's why he says, you know, you should not be grieved about lending to him and think, oh, it's the year of release. But no, you go ahead and do this, even if you know you're not going to get anything back from him. Just like the Lord says, you you lend without expecting anything back, which... To my mind, that just means I'm giving it, and that I'm fine with that. That means I'm giving that to someone, helping them out. There's no problem with that. That's the way we should be. We should be lending, expecting nothing in return, and not worrying about these things, and not, you know, God is our supply. When we realize, when we truly realize God owns everything, God has everything, and He can supply us, we don't have to worry about these things. So this is not limited to individuals or groups. Okay, On the contrary, most of the Bible seems to really encourage us to work together. That's why we're supposed to gather together and meet regularly, and, and we're supposed to be friends with God's children. and That's why we're encouraged to, to be together. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we are encouraged, actually, to join together. And there are other scriptures relating to that, how we are stronger together and how we can resist Satan more when we are together. Nonetheless, we look at uh, our next next, uh, circumvention or excuse. These funds are just for helping other Christians. Now, Jesus himself simply states, this is totally the wrong attitude. We may look at the world and we may look at the people in the world that aren't Christians, or or maybe they're just not our flavor of Christian. Maybe they're just not, you know, in our group, and we consider them to be a part of the world because they don't do exactly like we do. But Jesus states that this is totally the wrong attitude, and he he says it very plainly. If you look at Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, 
But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I could have probably shortened this down to just the last couple of verses, but I need us to see the whole thing. This is all about our hearts, our hearts toward others. Just like our hands need to be open wide to the poor, our hearts need to be open to others, willing to help them. Okay, When people come to us and ask for help, we should be willing to provide that help, knowing that we're doing that in the name of the Lord. Yes, some people sometimes worry that if we're too generous, that people will take advantage of that. They may. They may take advantage of that. That's on their head. We need to do what the Lord has told us to do. Jesus plainly tells us to err on the side of love and generosity to all. Even our enemies, going so far as to say our enemies. Most people, even unbelievers, are not our enemies. They're really not. They need our help, both physically and spiritually. A lot of times they're just deceived by so much of the evil in the world. This is required of us to be children of God, and to follow His example. We need only to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan to see that this is true. Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. But he, wanting to justify himself, this was a man in the crowd asking this of Jesus. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man. Now I want you to notice, Jesus did not identify this man, a certain man. He wants us to personally identify this man. He wants us to think we could be that man. So he didn't say a Jew. He didn't say a Gentile. He didn't say... Um, You know, he didn't do anything to identify this. He just said a certain man so that we would think that could be us. That could be us. Okay. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road 
and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This was a priest. He saw him. When he saw him, he's like, oh, let me get away from him. He moved to the other side of the road to stay away from him. This was just a man. Could be any of us, could be any one of us. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. He came and he looked. He didn't just like, oh, I saw him and I want to avoid him. No, he came and he kind of looked, kind of gawked, you know, kind of peered over, but probably didn't get too close. And then he passed by on the other side. Now, this was a priest and a Levite. These are supposed to be the religious people at this time. They are supposed to be the ones representing God at this time. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, a Samaritan was like a half-breed. Um, they, were, they were looked upon as not following God correctly, not being holy. They were beyond redemption. The Jews really did not get along with the Samaritans. They would avoid the Samaritans as much as they could. They did not like them. All right? Now, and remember that Jesus' crowd here is mainly Jewish. That's who he's talking to. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Notice that. He put him on his animal, on his ride, and brought him to an inn. That means he probably walked himself. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii. Now that would be like, I think that's like two days wages. And gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, the man answered, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So, for us to be a good neighbor, for us to treat our neighbors well, for us to love and care for others, how are we looking at them? Are we looking at them through the lens of judgment and saying, Well, they're they're not they're not a Christian or they're not in my group, so I can't help them. I, I can't do this for them. Are we looking at people with that eye of judgment that way? That's how the Pharisees looked at people. That's what they did. We need to have compassion on the unfortunate people in this world. Now, and I want us also to look at this. This is an example that Jesus gave us of how we should help others, how we should not be like the Pharisees. But since he gave us this example, and this example is very exact, Is this the only time we can help somebody? Do we have to wait until we find somebody who's been robbed and wounded and lying on the side of the road to to help them? 
No, it is just an example. It does not define the boundaries of what the Lord is teaching. It is just an example that falls within the boundaries of what the Lord is teaching. And that is that we need to have compassion. And we need to watch out for our fellow man. And yes, some of them are not even going to appreciate it, but that's okay. We need to do it because that's what God does. When you understand God's nature and that he has given all of us all of this, even those who don't follow him and don't believe him and maybe even those who hate him, then you come to understand that that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the Lord, like God our Father. So, we come to another excuse. We do not have authority to do that. We only have authority to do what is in the Bible. And this is being very specific, and this goes back to even my example I just mentioned. This is saying if it's not specifically there, we shouldn't do that. But this is actually the simplest and easiest to debunk. Jesus himself contradicts this. Firstly, we are commanded to care for the poor in our land, as noted previously. Uh, we do not have the authority, actually, to countermand God's word. We must obey God's word, and there is... You can say, well, that's the Old Testament and that's passed away and we shouldn't be doing that. Mm. You know, there's still a lot to learn from the Old Testament. And uh, the Lord, in his own words, says that none of it will pass away until heaven and earth have passed away. And that we should not teach people to not do those things. So, you can read that. Um, that's in Matthew and it's pretty early on in the... Uh, uh, is it in the, I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount. But nonetheless, we're going to look at something else. I want you to see this. All authority was given to Jesus. And he has commanded us, as mentioned here in Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, we love to stop at verse 18 and 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples, and baptizing them. But you'll notice verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, observe, follow, act upon all the lessons that the Lord has provided us. Now, the two commandments, there's actually three, but two commandments that Jesus really stressed to us heavily. And the third one goes with this. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, someone was asking, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So don't forget, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and don't forget who your neighbor is, and how you should be as a neighbor to someone else. We can't be like the Levite, 
and the priest and and our church, our congregation. I'm just going to say our congregation. As a congregation, we can't be that way. We can't just go around and pass by on the other side. So when we're making these excuses for not aiding our fellow people, we're being just like the Pharisees that Jesus reprimanded for not following what God has commanded. And when we're judging and condemning people for things that are based on tradition and based on not on the Lord's actual teaching, but based on examples that are being used incorrectly, that is also wrong. You know, if we are to be the Lord's hands and feet, then we must follow what he has directed us to do. And this means following the heart and spirit of the law and not trying to create a, a letter of the law excuse, which is what the Pharisees were doing. We know that the heart of the Bible is that we are, we are loved and given mercy when we don't deserve either one. And we must also give that to others, give that to our neighbors. And then we are like God our Father. So I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.